hey, Sugar fans, we are going to be taking some time off to work on new episodes, and we'll be back this summer with a brand new season of Dear Sugar Radio. That's right. We'll be releasing episodes in seasons going forward. And we have some more exciting developments on the horizon that we can't quite tell you about yet, but we will soon. And now, listen, there's something you can do in the meantime for us, though, because you listeners are the reason we love making this show more than anything. And we want you to actually be a part of planning what shows we do moving ahead. So if you have an idea for an episode, write to us at dearsugarradio at gmail.com and put show idea in the subject line. We're going to be listening back during this little break to some of our favorite episodes of Dear Sugar Radio. During the month of May, by popular demand, we're going to be listening to our four-part series we did on infidelity. Enjoy and stay tuned for more Dear Sugar Radio. Dear Sugar is supported by... The universe has good news for the lost, lonely, and heartsick. Sugar is here, the both of us speaking straight into your ears. I'm Cheryl Strayed. I'm Steve Almond. This is Dear Sugar Radio. Oh, dear son, won't you please Share some little sweet days with me I check my bell every day We are on about infidelity. We are on and on about infidelity. Today, we want to continue the act of processing a little bit what it is to be, in this case, the betrayer. Last week, yeah, Yeah. we talked about being the betrayed party. And this week, we're going to dig deep into the guts of what it feels like from the other direction, people who are the betrayers. As we said in part one... Many of us throughout our lives, we end up being on one side of the coin or the other, or both right. by by the end. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I can certainly remember when I was younger, I think part of the reason maybe I waited a while to get married is I was a betrayer when I was younger. Hmm. When my 20s and 30s, especially in my 20s, especially in my young 20s, I can remember vividly and have written and sort of in sort of very lame, fictive disguise have written about that feeling of literally driving from the girlfriends or, you know, the affairs back home to the apartment that I lived in with this beautiful, wonderful woman and feeling when I thought back on it, even years later, the thrill of that, which is inexcusable, but also is the way that I and I think a lot of people who betray feel there is a charge to it. And one of the things I realized in the course of writing that book of stories, My Life in Heavy Metal, is, you know, I was trying in my own deformed, destructive way to tell her that I couldn't love her like she needed me to love her, and that that pressure was humiliating me, and the fact that I couldn't meet it was humiliating me and making me angry, and I was resentful of it, and so I ran off into an easy, crazy, passionate thing. Mm -hmm. And I was also trying to run towards myself, but I was nowhere near being able to tell her that, and so... Uh, as most betrayers do until they're caught, I kept it quiet. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so let's get to the letters. <clears throat> let's do it. Dear Sugars, please help. I'm desperate, frantic, and terrified. A bomb just went off, and it's killing my family, and I'm the one who lit the fuse. The story is one you've read before. 
I'm a 39-year-old wife to a wonderful man. Our 10th wedding anniversary is later this year. We have two fantastic children, ages 7 and 10. Six months ago, my husband accompanied me to my 20-year high school reunion. I didn't see my high school boyfriend there as we went one night and he went the next. Despite dating for two years and being each other's first, I hadn't even really thought about seeing him there. It was all another lifetime ago. But somebody texted me his picture a day or so after we went home, and I asked for his number so we could catch up. I texted him, and he replied. We shared updates, pictures of our kids, and of our current selves. He is divorced, but living with his girlfriend. I told my husband about the then-innocent exchanges. But over the next month, the messages turned flirtatious and then intimate. I never saw him. It was all emotional and sexual texting. Soon my husband discovered the truth, including inappropriate photos I had sent to my ex-boyfriend. It was awful, but my husband was amazing, and while hurt and angry, he agreed to work through it together. We both acknowledged that our marriage had lost intimacy over the years with the minutia of kids, bills, jobs, etc. The next month between us was like being newlyweds, loads of great sex and really being together. So why did I do it again? After a break, the old boyfriend reached out to check if everything was well, and I should have hit delete. I didn't. In all honesty, even in the throes of renewed passion with my husband, I was still grieving the loss of that other, not-real relationship and craving that not-real text attention. It was like a drug. I knew it was poison, and I did it again anyway. You can guess what happened next. My husband discovered my lies, deceit, and betrayal yet again. He is done. I am flailing. Mm. The other relationship seemed contained, unreal, like an addictive video game that I looked forward to every day. I was positive I would tire of it and quit. I had no interest in this ex beyond that, despite my husband seeing that I'd sent texts that said, I love you, to this person. I'm in love with my husband, and I'm happy with him, and I want so desperately to keep our world of home, extended families, friends, all of it intact. For our kids, yes, but not just them. This is the life I want and need. Like the air that I breathe, I need this. I need him. I love him. My husband says that whatever trust was rebuilt is permanently shattered and that he is moving on with his life. He says now that he knows who I am, it will be easy for him to leave me. I'm trying to convince him with certainly empty-sounding words that this is not who I am. The woman that has been his partner and stayed home to raise our kids and shared these many long years of good things is who I am. The 11 years we've been together is who we are, not these past six months. What can I do to save my marriage? Is all lost forever? Do people like me ever get third chances? Do I deserve what is coming? Please, help me with anything I can do just to get a shred of hope that I can fix this. I will spend every day of the rest of my life with regret. But can I also spend every day proving that this time it's different? I'm shaken to the core and will do whatever it takes to save my family from myself. Please help me. Please. Signed, Heartbroken Heartbreaker. Ugh, what a heartbreak of a letter. Oof. I feel so sad for both the letter writer and her husband. I can see where the husband is coming from, uh, frankly. I mean, he, he forgave her this first infidelity. 
I'm sure he was thinking everyone makes a mistake right. you get once one. in a while. And then you get one. We made this mistake and we recovered from it. And then there you are again. So that what that tells him is it wasn't a mistake, that, that this is what she wanted. Right. And of course, she's telling us it isn't. Right, right. Fool me once, shame on yeah. you. That is the difficulty is that we can see from your husband's point of view and you can heartbroken this is what's really getting you is that you understand that you violated his trust at a time that your job was to stop violating his trust and assure him that you wouldn't violate his trust again and what's so aching about this letter cheryl is and for what and for what (laughs) she clearly so deeply loves her husband and this life they've built together and the sense of who she is in the marriage And she recognizes that this texting infatuation and the attention she was getting next to that is so small, and yet betrayers still can't stop it. And the question is, why do they make that bad transaction? Mm -hmm. And we can see with the first instance of emotional infidelity that part of what she got is what a lot of couples really truly desire when they stray, which is to be brought back together, to be reminded and have their love renewed. And so they do that. They come back together. They have hot sex. It's reawakened. But then there's that mystery. She presses the button. And and that to me is what is truly mysterious. Uh, And it should be the central mystery that you, Heartbroken, are considering. Why the second time after you had kind of renewed the relationship and started to rebuild the trust, what wishes, what were you trying to rediscover about who you are that caused you to say, I just need a little bit more of that. I know it's poison, but I need a little more. Mm -hmm. It has glimmers of this kind of what we associate with addiction. Obviously, this woman is not a sex addict, but what I mean is we get this thrill out of this specific kind of video game love, if you will, where it's like, it is the fantasy, the very easy, flirty exchange that one can have on text messages. And, you know, she knew her body remembered. You know how I always say the body knows? Yeah. And I think that in some ways, the body can also know things that lead us astray. I think that she went into it that second time when she saw that this guy got back in touch with her in some way that's sort of deeper than her intellect. She remembered that thrill mm-hmm. and that adrenaline and even that sort of ecstasy that one experiences when somebody is telling you something exciting when right. it, you know about you being special to them in a way that nobody else is. And that's very heady. It's very exciting. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is most of us are able to have monogamies. And it sounds like she was able to have a monogamy for 11 years because we control that urge in our bodies. Right. That we say, you know, I know this would be fun to flirt with this person and start this thing. But, you know, I do have a commitment. Right. And especially when she came so close to the fire of almost destroying this relationship because of this flirty text message thing. Some people, though, you know, maybe she just needs to touch the fire twice. I really think that this is a woman who loves her husband. And I do hope that, you know, as rightful as the husband's rage is, as rightful as his stance is like, you know, you betrayed me. I do hope that this couple finds a way to work it out because her strength is in how aware, how self-aware she is of what happened. She's not blaming her husband, you know, it was so many of the people we hear from what they're saying is like, you know what, we just we this is real. We fell in love. We're more intimate than I am with my husband in real life. We hear yeah. that a lot yep. about these sort of text 
Facebook, whatever, high school reunion affairs, if you will. And she's aware that this isn't real. She's aware that the piece of her that this is setting off is is in the fantasy realm. Right. You know, she puts in capital letters, this is not who I am. Yeah. And the one place where I would say, actually, you need to rethink this heartbroken, that actually is who you are. You're both of these things at once. You're a loving, loyal wife who wants desperately to be with this man for the rest of your life. That is who you are, absolutely. You were that for Mm -hmm. 11 years, and you want to be that for the rest of your years. And at the same time, you are also a woman who so wanted to feel new love, the novelty of it, the thrill of it, the uncomplicated, unreal fantasy aspect of it, that you emotionally cheated and sexted with this guy, not once, but twice. That's actually, you're both of those people. And I really counsel you not to say to your husband over and over again, I'm not that person who did that thing. I'm this other person who wants to be with you because that's actually lying to him and yourself. Mm -hmm. You're both of those people. Some part of you needed, as Cheryl said, to touch the fire twice. Your job is to figure out why you did that. And I guarantee you that that is what your husband needs to hear. And it's what you need to try to understand with him. It's not to tell him, just look away from it. I'm really this loyal person. I've seen the error of my ways. Because ultimately, until you can explain to him and and yourself the source of why you wanted to touch the fire, he has every reason to expect that sooner or later, you'll want to touch it again. Mm -hmm. And all of us, frankly, want to do that. I mean, there's nobody walking around in a long-term monogamous relationship who hasn't, for a few seconds or a few hours or a few texts, or a few months or a few years, years, wanted to feel the thrill of an uncomplicated love that isn't saddled with the baggage of everything that she describes in between the lines of her letter. Yeah. So we've sort of unpacked this dynamic, these impulses in her, but Heartbroken Heartbreaker is asking us, what can I do to save my marriage? What can I say to make my husband believe in me again? And and what I think is, you know, Words have great power. I think it's really important to say sorry and to tell your husband, heartbroken heartbreaker, what you told us in your letter. But actions are what really count. Mm -hmm. And this is why your husband's so upset. Because you told him, you were sorry, you told him that it was a mistake, and then you went and did it again. And this is why he's so profoundly betrayed. And so the way I think to win somebody back, somebody who says, it's over, I'm done with you, I don't want you anymore, I can't be in this relationship anymore, is to keep loving that person and being the partner to them that they deserve. So, you know, heartbroken, heartbreaker, what if you do this work? Do the work you need to do on yourself, whether your husband decides to stay with you or not. And, you know, sometimes after such a, a betrayal, couples need a break. You know, maybe your husband, for his own dignity... And clarity. And clarity and his own heart. You know, maybe he does need to step back and and use those words, you know, that he's breaking up with you and he's separating from you. But, you know, a lot of couples have periods of separation and they find their way back to each other. And I do think that the way that they find their ways back to each other is when you really do say, okay, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to be the person and the partner that my partner deserves. Right. I don't think it's a good idea for her to just think, my goal is just to get back together with him, because that's what she did the first time, and she clearly hadn't worked something out. Yeah, and I also think time is a great balm here. This letter begins, I'm desperate 
frantic and terrified. And I think that most betrayers, you know, this episode we're focusing on the people who betray their partners, that moment when your betrayal is discovered is a really dramatic one, a really traumatic one. It's You're in a panic, really. You're in a panic and often trying to immediately make it better. Exactly. You're not about introspection. Mm-mm. You're not about saying, well, you know, I think that this was happening or that was happening. You're saying, please, 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 please forgive me. This was a mistake. You know, I, I think that that's often the scenario. And so I think that these good decisions aren't necessarily made in these really dramatic moments. And yeah. so, you know, give your husband some space and time. He's responding in a frantic way too. Right. He's desperate too. Yeah, I think that's so smart because it's true that the panic and desperation he's picking up on and panic and desperation isn't going to do it. That's no. histrionics. You yeah. need reflection. You need time and hopefully an accretion of self-knowledge and you know that's a process that means you're going to have to be in a state of uncertainty. You're not going to win them back tomorrow. You're not going to win them back next week. It's just you've done two things, not just one, but two twice to violate his trust. And he needs the space and you need to recognize you're not going to be able to fix it. That's not well, going to do it. You know, if she does win him back tomorrow, the work isn't done. It's not like, oh, we're back together. Now everything's great. I mean, really, I think the way it looks is that the work is never done. I think that any sort of difficulty like this between couples, it's, it is something that, you know, cycles around at different times and comes up in different ways, right? And so it's a process. And we wish you the best of luck. I do hope you can save your marriage, Heartbroken Heartbreaker. It sounds like a good one. Yeah, now the work begins. Good luck. Good luck. At the dark end of the street Support for Dear Sugars comes from BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in the day, how would you use it? BetterHelp Online Therapy can help you figure out what's most important to you so you can prioritize it. Learn to make time for what makes you happy. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Visit betterhelp.com sugars today to get 10% off your first month. The world's clean energy future relies on ancient elements still in the ground. Without mining, there will not be a clean energy transition. But pulling them out of the ground comes at an environmental and human cost. Mining is intrusive, but the results are the building blocks for products that we use every single day. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. Join me on point for Elements of Energy, Mining for a Green Future, five special episodes. Listen and follow On Point wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, our next letter, Steve, is uh, another kind of betrayer. I think I'll just read the letter. It's a, yeah. it's a long one. It's an interesting it's one. It's a bruiser, yeah. Dear Sugar, I sit here paralyzed with fear. I'm a few months shy of 28. I checked off all the boxes on my way to get here. I graduated college, got married, bought an SUV, had two kids, quit my job to stay home with them, and settled into a typical two-story house amidst a row of identical houses in a quiet suburban neighborhood. All of these boxes were supposed to equal happily ever after. Such a stark contrast from my own childhood. I'm a byproduct of teenage parents, a father who was abusive and bailed when I was six, 
a mother who never got a chance to grow up, so spent our childhood trying to party through hers. As kids, we were often handed a trash bag and told to throw in as much as we could before sneaking out in the middle of the night to avoid a landlord. We didn't have stability. Half the time, we didn't even have electricity or food. Mm. My circumstances at home pushed me to jump into a serious relationship and move in with a boy I had been dating for a few months. It was a toxic relationship. He was deeply mistrusting of people, and this resulted in severe angry outbursts towards me. After two years, I finally got up the courage to end our relationship. He promised he would change, and surprisingly, he really did. Things were so good that we got back together and got married. We had our kids. I don't know when it began to change. My husband got promoted, so we moved again. He became very serious about work. I was supportive and understanding, but his life became nothing but work, and I became his verbal and emotional punching bag. I figured he was going through a rough patch. I tried to help. I tried to stick by him. I tried to get him to let me in. Meanwhile, he constantly put me down. I began to feel hopeless. Seven months ago, what started as a run-of-the-mill conversation with my neighbor friend's husband turned into more. Like some pathetic scene out of a TV show, I found myself engaging in an affair with a man who lives across the street. Mm. It felt so good to be wanted and needed, to be asked questions beyond how was your day. I could be my truest self with him, and the sexual chemistry was boundless. We had always agreed that this, whatever this was, wasn't going anywhere. It couldn't go anywhere, as we're both married with families. He broke it off five months ago, saying it was getting too deep, but we've continued to occasionally get together for sex. Caught up in the whirlwind of our secret little world, I hadn't really stopped to examine all sides of the situation, but now that we're mostly off, I'm wondering where the hell I went wrong. So many emotions are running through me. They are, one, shock, I have never cheated and would never have thought of myself as the type of person who could. Two, immense guilt. Despite how my husband has treated me, despite all of the events leading up to my affair, I know it's wrong. I can no longer label myself a good wife. And the neighbor friend whose husband I'm having an affair with? How can I call myself a friend when I've done this to her? I have two kids and she has four kids and when I think about them I feel even worse. Three, heartbreak. I never meant for this to happen, but I fell in love with the other man. He's been clear that our relationship doesn't have a future. I know this, and yet I still keep going back to him. My heartbreak is made worse by the fact that he and his wife live across the street, and I have to see them all the time. Our kids play together. I babysit their children when they go out on dates. I stand in their house after the kids have gone to bed. While I wait for them to come home, I just can't believe I got myself into this mess. Four. Fear. I'm never going to tell my husband about this affair. The affair was a symptom, not the problem. At the same time, how can I move forward in my marriage with that secret inside of me? The bigger issue is that our marriage was then and still is in very uncertain territory. We've had several heavy conversations over the last few weeks about how I can't take his behavior towards me anymore, and he promises he can change again. What if he can't? What if he won't? My mother and I took such different paths in the late teens and throughout our 20s, but what if essentially I've ended up in the same place as her, too afraid to be something more? What will this do to our kids? 5. Confusion My husband and I already have so much baggage from our relationship in earlier times when things were bad. I love him, but I no longer feel connected to him. 
I can barely kiss him without involuntarily turning away. He's put me through so much over the last decade, and I was so good to him until I had this affair. How do you know when it's time to cut your losses and move on? I did everything I was supposed to do, everything I thought I wanted to do, but the life everyone sees on the outside is like night and day compared to how I feel about my life on the inside. How do I get out of the woods? Signed, Lost. Oh. What a burden to carry around. You know, I think a lot of people are trapped in relationships, and especially when it's marriage, and especially when they're kids. And a lot of the reason that they don't change that and get out of it or admit to how they feel is it's just going to absolutely send everything into chaos. But it's very clear that for a long time she's been really unhappy. Yeah. And, you know, she doesn't just conduct an emotional affair. That grinding loneliness, that sense that she has no passionate engagement, she feels bullied, disregarded, taken for granted by her husband. You can start to understand why she would want yeah. positive attention and even why she might do that with somebody right across mm -hmm. the street, neighbor friend be damned, kids be damned, because she is volcanically angry and resentful. And, you know, she can clearly see she's self-reflective enough to see that she feels trapped in the same mm -hmm. way that her mom was. And then oddly, she's smart enough to recognize that in a certain way, she might be playing out the same scenario that, you know, her kids might have to be stuffing stuff into sure. garbage bags and moving. I mean, it is such a complex and painful situation. Yeah, I agree. I, I think, you know, obviously, this affair is incredibly dramatic. You know, there's this couple across the street she's friends with them and, and and covertly sleeping with the husband and i don't think this letter is essentially about that yeah this you know obviously she's right this affair was a symptom of a greater problem and where lost energies need to focus are really on this question is this marriage worth saving she's not leaving her husband for this other guy she's leaving her husband for herself for you know what does she want in her life she Met this guy when she was a teenager. They've been through all kinds of hell. Yeah. The reason she was open to that conversation with the neighbor guy that led to an affair has everything to do with her dissatisfaction with her yeah. husband. The moment of the letter that to me is the most heartbreaking, but may also contain a germ of the answer here, is that moment when she's standing in her neighbor's house saying, how did I wind up mm -hmm. here? And I was thinking, well, if you wanted to have an affair with somebody and run off to a motel room, that would make more sense practically. But that's not really deep down what you want. You want to be in a house. You want to have a family. So in an odd way, that makes a certain kind of psychological sense that she's in a house. She, it's obviously very important to her that she have certain things, stability, create that for her kids, have the SUV, have the suburban house, all the trappings of what she associates with a tranquil, happy, healthy family life. But the central piece of that is your husband has to love and respect you, and you have to feel the same way towards him. And maybe most difficult to say and face, realize that you might have to leave your husband in order to find or even have the possibility of finding what you really want, which is to be standing in a home that you've built with a husband who you love and respect and who loves and respects you. Right. Both of these letters that we've read from the two women so far, they're full of pain and yeah. sorrow and oh. suffering. But I want to point out that they're also full of awakenings. Yeah. And I think that, you know, these traumatic times in our lives, 
what happens is suddenly we're brought to a deeper consciousness about who we are and what we want. The first letter we read, you know, clearly that's a woman who says, I did this terrible thing and it woke me up. Yeah. And it woke me up to something very specific. And that is the fact that I really love my husband and I really want this marriage to work. Okay, that's one awakening. Yeah. And so give it everything, you know, give all that consciousness to making that happen. And the second letter... My sense, I mean, who knows? We, we never are the judge of like, you know, whose marriage should be saved. But I will say my sense is that maybe Lost is having a different kind of awakening. That yeah. her affair woke her up to the fact that her marriage is over and that she needs to find something better for herself. Now, maybe it's the house, like you say, with the husband who loves her. But really, I think that might be further down the path. Oh, this yeah. is a woman who escaped her sad childhood by jumping into a sad marriage. And this sad marriage, this yeah. sad relationship. She's yeah. never been alone. Right. She went from being a teenager at home to a teenager in partnership with her husband. They've been together all this time. That's right. And maybe the awakening, the painful awakening, is it's time for a new era in my life. And then once you realize that, then you can go about figuring out how to do that. Right. How do I get that? Right. They've got children. They're going to be co-parents. They they do have many years of history together. You want those partnerships that end to end with some compassion right. and kindness and love. And, you know, I think that you do that from a place of strength, right? not of weakness. I would say the first bit of advice to Lost, stop sleeping with the neighbor. Yeah, It's fun. It's sexy. And it's a distraction. It's a total distraction. Yeah. And it clouds your ability to stand on your own two feet during this process. Right. So what this awakening is for you is lost. You want to find, if it is possible, somebody or a relationship that will love and nourish you, ideally in the context of a marriage. But Cheryl's right. That's off the table for the time being. Right. You know, what, what's most important in the moment is that you have had an awakening that you want a greater share of happiness and love and respect and esteem. So good. So you've discovered that. Right. That's that's exactly the right thing. It's that you've discovered it by enacting a betrayal, just like me back in El Paso, Texas. Not, I mean, I didn't come to it. She seems much closer to realizing I'm trying to tell myself that I need something. I was a decade or a decade and a half from realizing that infidelity being the sort of the language sure. of the emotionally stunted, I'm not ready to be who you need me to be and I got to go somewhere else. But I think this woman has enough awareness of her inner state and her circumstances and her history to piece this together and say, oh, okay, mm -hmm. it's not that you are just destructive and evil. You're in need and in pain and you are maybe seeking the wrong means to try to you know, mm -hmm. get some greater share of happiness. Maybe there's a lot of self-destructiveness that's mixed in there, but your impulses, your desires and needs aren't evil. And I think this is something that happens with betrayers. If I had been um, more mature and honest and self-forgiving, I would have realized it's not a sin for me to not be ready to be with this woman. Right. Well, I, it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's, but I felt that I couldn't say that, and I felt guilty about it, so I needed to express it in this destructive way. And I think if I'd been able to say that to her, I probably wouldn't have messed around on her. I would have just said, I can't live with you because I'm not mature enough or it's not what I want. But that's Absolutely. not a sin. That's not a sin. That's being human. Yeah. No, I, I think that same thing. You know, I, I was married so young. I w when I was cheating on my first husband, I was, you know, like 
22 years old, 23 years old. Mm -hmm. And, you know, not to let myself off the hook, I'm not pleased with myself that I deceived somebody I loved. But it's also true that, yeah, I just, I wasn't ready. And here's the deal. What it really is, is I wasn't brave enough to say, I love you and this relationship has to end because I need this other thing. And so I really was, in some ways, it was a diversion, you know, but to cheat, I could point to that and say, see, I'm bad. So that means I have to leave. You can't stay with me. I think that Lost is kind of, saying that when she says, I can no longer be the good wife to my husband. Well, that isn't true. If Lost, if you decided that this marriage was something you really wanted and and you wanted to be a good wife again, you can be a good wife again. You know, you also say something that I think is really uh, interesting and kind of a a universal uh, thought that people have. People have never cheated. They have this idea of what a cheater is and it's it's not them she says i yeah. never imagined yeah. that i would be a cheater right what she's saying there is she had a an idea a false for herself yeah. and judgmental idea of this quote-unquote sort of person who cheats right now obviously there is one kind of person who's like a sort of a player and a serial cheater and they don't have any moral quandaries about it at all that's like you know a tiny percentage of people most people are you know genuinely trying to do right by the people they love and they don't see themselves as somebody who would cheat until they're cheating. Right. So they've fallen down that slippery slope, you know, and I've I've been there and I've had people I love be there, you know, and it's like, I don't know what happened. This isn't this me. This isn't me. You know, as our first letter writer said. Right. And as you so uh, wisely said, it is you and it is all of us. Yeah. So we're going to now say, first of all, just really... Good luck to you, Lost. Lost, we are thinking of you. This letter really echoed around inside of us. This is so much pain, and there is hope, but it's going to take some excavation. Yeah, and when you're lost, you know, what the the lovely clarifying thing about being lost is your only mission is to find your way. So you can do that. That's right. So, Cheryl, we just heard these letters from... People who were betrayers. The week before that, we talked about these letters from the betrayed and talked with Lauren Weedman. And, you know, now we're going to do something that actually is unexpected, which is we're going to do a, a third episode on infidelity and devote it to a single guest. And for the simple reason that we were absolutely, both of us, completely blown away by what she had to say. It cast everything in a new light. Right. You know, when we first thought we were making a two-part episode on infidelity. We did that because we have such an abundance of letters from listeners who have either been unfaithful or been cheated on. And and when we got deeper into the subject and talked to this guest you just mentioned, we thought, okay, you know what? It's even bigger than two episodes. It's three. So surprise, you have another one coming your way. So tune in next week for our final installment on infidelity. Why don't you believe Dear Sugar Radio is produced by WBUR in Boston. We are produced and edited by Lisa Tobin. And you can write to us, letters at dearsugarradio at gmail.com. And also remember to listen and subscribe on iTunes. We are grateful for all your support, all your letters, all your ears. Hi, I'm Erica Lance 
clearly you liked Dear Sugar enough to listen all the way to the end. So I think you might like this podcast I produce, Kind World. Kind World tells deeply personal stories about the pivotal moments in our lives. She called me one day and she says, why are you choosing to live in our grief? And I said, I'm not, I'm choosing to live in your love. All of those women were witness to the darkest and probably most intimate moment of my life. And they gave me a sliver of light. I talked to all kinds of people about times when they felt scared or alone or overwhelmed and how they got through it with the help of others. I even thought I was a little crazy. But then I'm like, wait, I could do anything I want. I could raise a million dollars if I want to. I could cure this disease. I think that he bypassed all that bullshit and just said, I see a human being who needs my help and I'm going to help him. Head over to WBUR.org slash kindworld or subscribe in your favorite podcast app. Thanks.